Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative, and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nakubo in Brief. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I am so pleased to be joined today by Ken Redd, Director of Research and Policy Analysis at Nakubo, who's here to talk to us about endowments. Welcome, Ken. Well, thanks, Megan. Thanks for having me today. I look forward to it. Well, let's talk about a little bit about how endowments work. So for those of you who know how endowments work, you might want to forward to the second half of the podcast. But first, we're going to dive in about to how endowments work. So talk to us first, Ken, about why colleges and universities have endowments. Let's set, set the stage here. I, I know a lot of people, when they think about an endowment, they think of it as one fund. But actually, endowments are a collection or a series of funds that institutions use for long-term planning. Uh, they're designed to support a certain aspect of a university's mission or uh, or, or direction. And the, the, the most common example of an endowment is for endowed chairs for research or faculty salaries and for financial aid. Uh, the funds, when they're established, they are most commonly uh, set by a donor. So a donor gives a million dollars or a thousand dollars or some some set amount for a particular purpose. And the the donor expects that the university will invest their funds so that they last into what they called into perpetuity, which Mm -hmm. means that they uh, the earnings and the interest from the gift are used to support that aspect of the uh, university forever. Um, so they, uh, the endowed funds have to follow a certain set of rules and guidelines that are set uh, both by the university and by state law uh, so that they meet that uh, objective. Uh, and uh, the, best way to, uh, what's, the best way to look at endowments is um, uh, that they have to follow what's known as intergenerational equity, which mm-hmm. means, as I said, they, they last forever and that the interest and the dividends and any other returns that are generated by the fund are used both to support today's students and to support uh, future generations of students. And how do endowments differ from foundations? A foundation um, is very different from endowment. They do have some common features, but uh, there are two or three key differences. One, a foundation can be established by any individual or company uh, that is a fund that they use for charitable purposes, whereas a endowment is established by a nonprofit organization. So a, a school, a hospital, this has to be some sort of uh, uh, a nonprofit organization that establishes an endowment. Uh, second, uh, endowments, as I mentioned before, are designed to last forever into perpetuity, whereas a foundation can last uh, five years, ten years, for as, or as long as the 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 original donors of a, a foundation will establish it for. So in many cases, a, a, a foundation will sunset, or as I said, it will go out of, out of existence, where an endowment is really designed to last forever. 
Um, foundations are usually uh, grant-making organizations. Mm -hmm. So the, the best example of that is uh, the Gates Foundation. The Gates Foundation gives grants to other nonprofit groups to fulfill their missions, whereas an endowment is established to support one institution's or, or organization's mission. Um, uh, and finally, uh, the in, in, uh, foundations are 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 uh, required by federal statute to spend up to uh, or, or uh, spend five percent or more of their assets each year for grant making or other charitable purposes. Whereas endowments uh, are guided by the uh, by uh, the institution's policies and practices, but they don't have to spend. Up five percent, they can spend what is deemed prudent uh, or, or best practices by uh, their institutions. So, uh, both charitable organizations, uh, uh, they both support charities, but uh, very different, uh, both in timeline and, as I said, in uh, in how they. Uh, spend their monies and, and purposes. So some schools have huge endowments and others are, are are small. So what what do you say accounts for the differences between campuses? There are roughly 90 institutions in the United States that have endowments of over a billion dollars or endowed funds of, of a total over a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. And uh, most of those schools, they, they got to be where they are and as far as having those large funds. Uh, for two reasons. One time, it takes many, many, many years for an endowment or endowed funds to grow to over a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, one example, the oldest school in the, in the nation, of, of course, is Harvard, and Harvard is well over 200 years old. They have endowed funds that are as old as the institution. Um, and so over time, as, as the stock market and, and other in, uh, investment assets have grown, um, those endowed funds have grown as well. So, so time is a key factor. Hmm. And the second key factor is, is, is new gifts. So uh, a wealthy alum from a university uh, decides in his or her will to, to give uh, a large gift to a school. And that money, generally speaking, uh, will go into an endowed fund or become an endowed fund um, so that large gift also boosts the value of endowment. So those two things are really key factors, new gifts and, uh, and time. And usually it's time. Is the, 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 of those two, the time is the, the most important factor because it does take many, many decades for a fund to, to, to grow. Is there a minimum amount that's needed to establish an endowment? Not that I'm aware of. There's no minimum amount um, per se. Uh, I've seen schools that uh, will seed an endowed fund for as little as ten thousand hmm. uh, dollars, um, and uh, well, now, of course, well over a, a million dollars. So there are uh, many schools um, uh, with newer endowments. Well, with with their endowment, will have a small a, a fund, as I said, as small as ten thousand dollars, and that's probably going to be, at least to to my knowledge, the quote unquote minimum amount um, that will at least seed an endowment. Um, or endowed or endowed fund, um, but to my knowledge, I'm not aware of a um, of a set in statute. Um, you know, your your fund may be this minimum amount, and of course, uh, there's that means there's no maximum amount either. They, you right. know, there's been very large gifts that uh, donors give well into the millions of dollars that that go into endowments. So it, it does range. Uh, for endowed funds at schools, it does range from 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 those sizes. 
And then what campus programs are typically supported by endowments? 90% of endowed of gifts to endowments are restricted. And for the most part, uh, the two most common restrictions are for scholarships, financial aid for students, uh, especially need-based financial aid, which is extremely important for schools. Um, so they, that uh, uh, you do see a lot of donors give uh, starting endowments for financial aid for financially needy students. Um, and the second uh, most common uh, endowed fund is going to be for uh, faculty research and uh, more commonly known as endowed chairs. So a, a, a professor who holds an endowed uh, chair will have part of his salary and research expenses and other other expenses paid by the earnings from that endowment. So those are the two most common types of endowed funds. Mm. Uh, but they're endowments for libraries, for uh, uh buildings and grounds for a wide variety of things. But as I said, the two most common are going to be for financial aid and for uh, faculty research. Um, and I think it's important, uh, even though those are the two most common, uh, to point out that earnings from endowments are, uh, regardless of what their purpose for originally, really do help the organizations, help institutions keep tuition uh, lower because um, were not for an endowed fund, um, expenses that would otherwise have to be paid for by uh, tuition are supplemented uh, by in, in the endowment. Uh, so even a small school, uh, even a small endowment uh, is, uh, uh, is very important for, for that purpose as well. And then how much campus spending comes from endowment and, and who gets to decide how that money is spent? Last year, uh, on average, endowments, uh, schools' endowments generated about $26 million in funding. Um, that accounted for 9% of uh, institutions' operating budget. So it was a pretty key source of money. Um, but as you said, a, a number of schools that have very large endowments, they are even more dependent on their endowed, uh, endowed uh, funds. Um, so the schools that have over a billion dollars in endowments, uh, they on average generated about $153 million uh, from their funds, and that accounted for 17% of their operating budget. So it, it, there is a very wide variation. So who your question was, who decides? And uh, generally speaking, um, institutions go to, I mentioned uh, a lot of the spending on endowments is donor restricted. So um, schools look at the, for each of their endowed funds, they look at the um, the purpose for the endowment that it, uh, th uh, through the agreement that they have with the donor, that's certainly the, 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 the first criterion. And then second criterion is uh, schools within their finance committees, their, their investment committees, they look at how much the endowment has, has earned over the year. Um, and uh, uh, they have a formula for the most part that uh, basically says they'll take the three-year moving average of the endowment and multiply that by 4%. And that's uh, the, at least the starting point, the minimum that they'll draw from their endowment. So, um, um, so basically, they take the as of July one, which is the most the fiscal year for most schools. Uh, as of July one, um, going back three years, what was the average uh, uh, 
of those last three years, and they multiply that average by 4%, and that tells them at least a starting point as to how much they'll spend from their endowments. Um, while that 4% is sort of the starting point, we know uh, from the data that we collect that many schools spend more than that. Um, um, about a quarter of the schools um, spend upwards of, of uh, uh, 5% or more of their uh, endowed funds uh, just to support uh, basic operations um, and to cover other, other needs. Endowments are something that Nakubo studies, and this is your your area of, of expertise, at least one of them. So talk a little bit about why Nakubo does study these college endowments. Our study, uh, we launched our study in 1974, and we've done it every year since 1974, so going on uh, uh, over 40 years now. Wow. Um, uh, and we started the study primarily to answer some of the key questions about endowments, um, some of the questions that you've asked. Uh, how do they work? Um, what is the money used for? How are they invested? Those are all very key questions for not just on campus, but for the general public. So policymakers often ask about endowments. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we know members of Congress are very interested in, in endowments, state policymakers, campus policymakers, chief business officers. They, you know, there are a wide variety of questions about endowments, and our study really does uh, a, a pretty comprehensive job of answering that. Um, over the years, we've become the largest and most comprehensive study of institutional endowments in North America. We do a separate study of Canadian schools as well as U.S. schools. Mm. Um, so we're pretty comprehensive. Um, in the last year, we had 812 institutions respond to our survey. And collectively, those schools had about $530, million, $530 billion uh, in endowed assets. So... Uh, uh, that's obviously a, a, a good bit of money. Uh, yeah. And in uh, uh, our study, we have uh, schools as large as Harvard University, Princeton, Yale, Stanford, those uh, types of schools that participate, as well as institutions with very small endowed funds. So we're, we're pretty comprehensive. And as I said, we've got a, a lot of data. Um, and so that data it becomes the basis for answering questions from policymakers, parents, students about how institutions uh, uh, are using their endowed funds. So let's talk about this year's study for fiscal year 2015. Talk to us about what some of the uh, the key results were that you're sharing with others at this point. Our study, uh, which we released uh, to the public at the end of uh, January, uh, as I said, is based on 812 institutions. Um, uh, not the mo the best year for investment uh, 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 results. Mm. Um, the the return for this year is uh, only two about two point four percent. And to put that into perspective, last year in our twenty thirteen study, we had an average return for endowments of fifteen point five percent. So we wow. went from fifteen point five to two point four percent return. Um, so. Uh, as um, any of us who've looked at our retirement uh, uh, statements or, or looked at uh, the financial newspapers knows that uh, the United States and the world economies uh, and the stock markets have uh, not uh, been the most robust. Um, uh, we've had a lot of, of, uh, of 
uh, uh, volatility in the financial markets. Um, and so the 2.4% return that we're reporting uh, reflects uh, some of the negative aspects of what's been going on with the economy around the world and uh, uh, not as robust of a recovery uh, of, of the economy here in the United States. So all those uh, all those things factor into endowment returns as well as the returns you'll see in, unfortunately, in, in each of our retirement statements and our 401ks and those kinds of things. So, uh, um, And is that, that's an average, though, you yes, said 2.4%. Yeah. So... Uh, do they vary by school? Were you able to see by school different return levels? And and if so, what what would you attribute that to? Sure. So this year, the uh, the largest endowments uh, did uh, significantly better than the smallest. So as you as you pointed out, the average return was two point four percent. The largest endowments had a return on average of four point three percent, and the smallest endowments. Uh, on average, had a return of about 2.3%. So that, while that may not seem like a big a difference, it is actually in, in financial terms, a two percentage point difference mm-hmm. in is actually uh, very uh, statistically significant. It, it equates to a much greater amount of uh, spending dollars and wealth and those kinds of things. Sure. Um, so, um, um, but one of the things I, I like to tell folks when they talk about our surveys is that the, the rate of return for one year is sort of the headline number, as I mentioned, 2.4%. But for endowment planning purposes, the real most important number is going to be the the long-term 10-year return, because that's really the, the return that institutions use for planning purposes. Mm. Uh, and for this year, overall, the average return um, for endowments was 7.1%. Uh, I'm sorry, it was 6.3% in fiscal 15, okay. um, 6.3%. And that compares with last year, it was 7.1% that average 10-year return. So decline in the year return, obviously a big decline in the overall uh, uh, one-year return. The largest endowments did a little bit a little bit better. Uh, their return was actually 7.2% uh, with a difference between the largest and smallest endowments of about 1.2 percentage points in terms of their long-term uh, return average. And then what impact do you think lower returns would have either over the 10-year period or over the one-year period on endowments and campus finances when you when you look forward? Endowment managers, in order to uh, meet that goal of intergenerational equity that I mentioned before, they generally have a long-term return average of about uh, 8%. So Mm -hmm. in order to support current spending and future growth, endowment managers really want to shoot for 8% return on average. So when you're below 8%, it really means a lot of financial stress for institutions. And this year, as I said, when you're at 2.4%, that's that's even more uh, financial stress for institutions. Um, uh, generally speaking, because your spending stays at f- around 4 to 5%, as we talked about earlier, that means um, in some instances, your um, spending, Rather than just spending the earnings from the endowments, the income and the dividends, you're actually spending the what's called the corpus of the principal balance of endowments. Right. Um, so that means 
uh, you're you're not meeting that goal of intergenerational equity. You're you're taking money f from uh, to support today's students, but not having a, generating enough return to support tomorrow. So, and that's what we're finding. Um, um, uh, while the returns were lower this year, we found that seventy at seventy eight percent of our schools had increased their endowment spending dollars. So again, that means that they're spending more from their endowments, even though the return is lower. Um, uh, so again, that that basically means that that uh, it's getting harder and harder for endowment managers to achieve that intergener intergenerational equity goal that they have. Um, but at the same time, I think the positive news for students and families is because they're spending more from endowments, even in a low return environment, that means that schools are doing a lot more efforts, despite the financial markets, to support financial aid, research, and other things, activities that endowments uh, support. Um, so I, I think it's a sort of a good news, bad news. It's a mm -hmm. very good news, I think, uh, as uh, schools, especially for financial aid, are really supporting even more uh, scholarships for students with their endowed funds. So I think that's that's good news. But the the bad news part of that is that in a lower low return environment, um, it's going to mean that's going to be that much harder for uh, endowed funds to support students in the future. What do you suppose endowment managers will be focusing on in the coming year? Then I mean, clearly they want to they want to try to get that number up, but what sorts of things are they going to be doing in 2016? We talked about the lower return uh, while spending is going up from endowments, and that's really going to be the number one issue that endowment managers and their uh, investment committees uh, on campuses are going to be talking about how much longer can we continue to do that? Um, are our expectations for endowments too high? Is it 8% target return too optimistic? Um, and if it is too optimistic, what do you do to adjust for that? Do you lower spending, um, which again hurts families potentially and, and faculty for research? Do you try to lower your spending? Uh, do you keep increasing uh, increased spending, but do you become more uh, risky financially? Do you, in order to generate returns, do you invest more of your assets in riskier uh, types invest of investments? Because mm -hmm. we know stocks and bonds aren't doing as well. Um, all those things, I, I think, are going to be uh, very important. Uh, but the second thing is, um, if you look at the newspapers recently, you'll see that there's a lot of stories about endowments. And there's calls from members of Congress and others, uh, families and, and students particularly, for schools to increase spending even more from endowments. Um, so that congressional pressure, that scrutiny from policymakers to, for schools to do even more spending from their endowments to support students is going to be sort of the second issue that uh, endowment managers have to, are going to have to deal with. Um, and the third is... Uh, I think there's a general misunderstanding about endowments among the minds of families and students and policymakers. Uh, families and policymakers look at endowments and they think, um, why? Um, not only do you know, they they think all this money is available. Like I, I mentioned, we have 529 or so billion dollars of endowed assets. How come schools just don't take that money and make tuition free or make it? Right. You know, cut the price or something like that. And there's a misunderstanding that uh, in, institutions uh, 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 can 
tap that money for whatever reasons they want. And, and as I said, that's not true. The endowments are restricted and they are designed for long-term planning. And that message doesn't always get through to parents and students and policymakers. They think, well, schools can just, as I said, can just take half their endowed funds or some percentage and, and just make tuition free. Right. Well, if you did that, you could do that for one year or two years. But what happens to that future generation of students? Um, you've, you've kind of, you know, to use a cliche, you've robbed, you've robbed Peter to pay Paul. And uh, at some point, uh, that long-term planning, that intergenerational equity goal that endowments have um, is violated if you do those kinds of things. So getting the public and policymakers to understand that that key uh, point about endowments, I think is going to be the third uh, issue that um, that uh, endowment managers and policymakers are going to have to deal with uh, going forward. But clearly, the number, the number one thing is going to be what do you do if in a, a lower return environment, if that environment continues? As I said, uh, um, there's not a whole lot of long term planning that you can do if you have uh, returns of 2.4% of, of or less. And that's kind of where the environment is right now. And if that were to continue, then you're really going to have to be some uh, serious uh, thinking about um, how do we uh, use our endowed funds in that type of environment. Well, it sounds like there's an education that needs to happen. So I think what they should do is just listen to this podcast, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, we at Nakubo, we're very proud, I, I can say, of the work that we do in this area. Um, we do a lot of education. Uh, we talk to a lot of policymakers and and reporters and and families about uh, the importance of endowments. So uh, hopefully this podcast and other types of uh, materials that we present um, uh, make that case that uh, they're, they're very important funds, but they're not funds, as I said, that... Um, it's not a money uh, tree. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, we, we, and, and we take, you know, if schools, institutions take the wishes of donors very seriously, you wouldn't, you know, just, just as, you know, if I if I gave money, if I invest money for my retirement, I wouldn't want somebody to use that money for some any other purpose than my retirement. And I think people can understand that. So endowments were the same way. If I if I give money for a purpose like financial aid, I wouldn't want the school to use that money for buildings and grounds or anything like that. I I, I so schools take that uh, that uh, obligation to to um, uh, use donors funds for a very specific and stated purpose very very seriously so um so getting people to understand that i think it, it's 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 a challenge but uh, once you, you, once people you educate them i think they begin to understand oh yeah that makes sense so how can people get access to the 2015 endowment report Within this podcast, there's a resources link that we provide, which will give some information about the posting of the study results. Uh, we'll have the actual hard copies of the report available, available for purchase in about uh, the middle of March of uh, this year, 2016. Uh, but right now, today, as this podcast is being recorded, we have the public information posted on our website. And uh, as I said, our resources page uh, will provide a link to those public tables so folks can get those now. And as I said, the uh, uh, in another, another month or so, uh, uh, we'll have the, the study available for purchase now. 
uh, last thing I'll say on that is that the schools and personnel who participated in the study itself will get a free copy of the study. Uh, so the only people who need to purchase it are, are non-participants or members of the general public. Well, thank you so much, Ken, for sharing this wealth of information about endowments with us today. Uh, It's my pleasure, Megan, and thank you for having me today. You can find out more about today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to Nakubo in brief in iTunes as well, so that you will always get the latest episode instantly. And on behalf of Ken and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Nakubo in Brief. (music) 